Chapter Fifteen of the Crucifixion of Philip Strong by Charles Monroe Sheldon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Gore. Chapter Fifteen. Well, said Philip slowly, as he seemed to grasp the meaning of his wife's words. To tell the truth, I never thought of that. He sat down and looked troubled. Do you think, Sarah, that because he is a Negro, the church will refuse to receive him to membership? It would not be Christian to refuse him. There are other things that are Christian which the Church of Christ on earth does not do, Philip, replied his wife, almost bitterly. But whatever else Calvary Church may do or not do, I am very certain it will never consent to admit to membership a black man. But there are so few Negroes in Milton that they have no church. I cannot counsel him to unite with his own people. Calvary Church must admit him. Philip spoke with the quiet determination which always marked his convictions when they were settled. But suppose the committee refuses to report his name favorably to the church, what then? Mrs. Strong spoke with a gleam of hope in her heart that Philip would be roused to indignation that he would resign and leave Milton. Philip did not reply at once. He was having an inward struggle with his sensitiveness and his interpretation of his Christ. At last he said, I don't know, Sarah. I shall do what I think he would. What I shall do afterward will also depend on what Christ would do. I cannot decide it yet. I have great faith in the church on earth. And yet what has it done for you so far, Philip? The businessmen still own and rent the saloons and gambling houses. The money spent by the church is all out of proportion to its wealth. Here you give away half your salary to build up the kingdom of God, and more than a dozen men in Calvary who are worth fifty and a hundred thousand dollars give less than a hundredth part of their income to Christian work in connection with the church. It makes my blood boil, Philip, to see how you are throwing your life away in these miserable tenements and wasting your appeals on a church that plainly does not intend to do, does not want to do, as Christ would have it. And I don't believe it ever will. I'm not so sure of that, Sarah, replied Philip cheerfully. I believe I shall win them yet. The only thing that sometimes troubles me is, am I doing just as Christ would do? Am I saying what he would say in this age of the world? There is one thing of which I am certain. I am trying to do just as I believe he would. The mistakes I make are those which spring from my failure to interpret his action right. And yet I do feel deep in me that if he was pastor of this church today, he would do most of the things I have done. He would preach most of the truths I have proclaimed. Don't you think so, Sarah? I don't know, Philip. Yes, I think in most things you have made an honest attempt to interpret him. And in the matter of the sexton, Sarah, 
wouldn't Christ tell Calvary Church that it should admit him to its membership? Would he make any distinction of persons? If the man is a Christian, thoroughly converted, and wants to be baptized and unite with Christ's body on earth, would Christ, as pastor, refuse him admission? There is a great deal of race prejudice among the people. If you press the matter, Philip, I feel sure it will meet with great opposition. That is not the question with me. Would Christ tell Calvary Church that the man ought to be admitted? That is the question. I believe he would, added Philip, with his sudden grasp of practical action. And Mrs. Strong knew that settled it with her husband. It was the custom in Calvary Church for the church committee on new names for membership to meet at the minister's house on the Monday evening preceding the preparatory service. At that service, all names presented by the committee were formally acted upon by the church. The committee's action was generally considered final, and the voting was in accordance with the committee's report. So when the committee came in that evening following the Sunday that had witnessed the conversion of the sexton, Philip had ready a list of names, including several young men. It was a very precious list to him. It seemed almost for the first time since he came to Milton as if the growing opposition to him was about to be checked and finally submerged beneath the power of the Holy Spirit which it was Philip's daily prayer might come and do the work which he alone could not do. That was one reason he had borne the feeling against himself so calmly. Philip read the list over to the committee, saying something briefly about nearly all the applicants for membership, and expressing his joy that young men especially were coming into the church family. When he reached the sexton's name, he related, simply, the scene with him after the morning service. There was an awkward pause then. The committee was plainly astonished. Finally, one said, Brother Strong, I'm afraid the church will object to receiving the sexton. What is his name? Henry Rowland. "'Why, he has been sexton of Calvary Church for ten years,' said another, an older member of the committee, Deacon Stearns by name. "'He has been an honest, capable man. I never heard any complaint of him. He has always minded his own business. However, I don't know how the church will take it to consider him as an applicant for membership.' "'Why, brethren,' "'How can it take it in any except the Christian way?' said Philip, eagerly. "'Here is a man who gives evidence of being born again. "'He cannot be present tonight when the other applicants come in later, "'owing to work he must do, "'but I can say for him that he gave all evidence "'of a most sincere and thorough conversion. "'He wishes to be baptized. "'He wants to unite with the church.' He is of more than average intelligence. He is not a person to thrust himself into places where people do not wish him, a temperate, industrious, modest, quiet workman, 
a Christian believer asking us to receive him at the communion table of our Lord. There is no church for his own people here. On what possible pretext can the church refuse to admit him? You do not know some of the members of Calvary Church, Mr. Strong, if you ask such a question. There is a very strong prejudice against the Negro in many families. This prejudice is especially strong just at this time, owing to several acts of depredation committed by the Negroes living down near the railroad tracks. I don't believe it would be wise to present this name just now. Deacon Stearns appeared to speak for the committee, all of whom murmured assent in one form or another. And yet, said Philip, roused to a sudden heat of indignation, and yet what is Calvary Church doing to help make those men down by the railroad tracks any better? Are we concerned about them at all, except when our coal or wood or clothing are stolen, or someone is held up down there? And when one of them knocks at the door of the church, can we calmly and coldly shut it in his face, simply because God made it a different color from ours? Philip stopped and then finished by saying very quietly, Brethren, do you think Christ would receive this man into the church? There was no reply for a moment. Then Deacon Stearns answered, Brother Strong, we have to deal with humanity as it is. You cannot make people all over. This prejudice exists, and sometimes we may have to respect it in order to avoid greater trouble. I know families in the church who will certainly withdraw if the sexton is voted in as a member. And still, said the old deacon with a sigh, I believe Christ would receive him into his church. Before much more could be said, the different applicants came, and as the custom was, after a brief talk with them about their purpose in uniting with the church and their discipleship, they withdrew and the committee formally acted on the names for presentation to the church. The name of Henry Rowland, the sexton, was finally reported unfavorably, three of the committee voting against it, Deacon Stearns at last voting with the minister to present the sexton's name with the others. Now, brethren, said Philip with a sad smile as they rose to go, you know I have always been very frank in all our relations together, and I am going to present the sexton's name to the church Thursday night and let the church vote on it in spite of the action here tonight. You know we only have recommending power. The church is the final authority, and it may accept or reject any names we present. I cannot rest satisfied until we know the verdict of the church in the matter. Brother Strong, said one of the committee, who had been opposed to the sexton, you are right as to the extent of our authority, but there is no question in my mind as to the outcome of the matter. It is a question of expediency. I do not have any feeling against the sexton, 
but I think it would be very unwise to receive him into membership, and I do not believe the church will receive him. If you present the name, you do so on your own responsibility. With mine, said Deacon Stearns. He was the last to shake hands with the minister, and his warm, strong grasp gave Philip a sense of fellowship that thrilled him with a sense of courage and companionship very much needed. He at once went up to his study after the committee was gone. Mrs. Strong, coming up to see him later, found him, as she often did now, on his knees in prayer. Ah, thou follower of Jesus in this century! What but thy prayer shall strengthen thy soul in the strange days to come? Thursday evening was stormy. A heavy rain had set in before dark, and a high wind blew great sheets of water through the streets and rattled loose boards and shingles about the tenements. Philip would not let his wife go out. It was too stormy. So he went his way alone, somewhat sorrowful at heart, as he contemplated the prospect of a small attendance on what he had planned should be an important occasion. However, some of the best members of the church were out. The very ones that were in sympathy with Philip and his methods were in the majority of those present, and that led to an unexpected result when the names of the applicants for membership came before the church for action. Philip read the list approved by the committee, and then very simply but powerfully told the sexton's story and the refusal of the committee to recommend him for membership. Now I do not see how we can shut this disciple of Jesus out of his church, concluded Philip, and I wish to present him to this church for its action. He is a Christian. He needs our help and our fellowship, and as Christian believers, as disciples of the man of all the race, as those who believe that there is to be no distinction of souls hereafter that shall separate them by prejudice, I hope you will vote to receive this brother in Christ to our membership. The voting on new members was done by ballot. When the ballots were all in and counted, it was announced that all whose names were presented were unanimously elected except that of the sexton. There were twelve votes against him, but twenty-six for him, and Philip declared that, according to the constitution of the church, he was duly elected. The meeting then went on in the usual manner characteristic of preparatory service. The sexton had been present in the back part of the room, and at the close of the meeting, after all the rest had gone, he and Philip had a long talk together. When Philip reached home, he and Sarah had another long talk on the same subject. What that was we cannot tell until we come to record the events of the Communion Sunday, a day that stood out in Philip's memory like one of the bleeding palms of his master pierced with sorrow, but eloquent with sacrifice. End of chapter 15 Recording by David Gore